From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you all the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey, while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So without further ado, let's get this party started. All right, so I'm about to share with you all the most powerful financial concoction known to man. I think everybody knows that wealthy people invest in real estate. I think people understand that real estate is not only an avenue of investment for wealthy people, but it also takes those who are in the middle class um, to the next level. Like You don't have to be rich to invest in real estate. Real estate is actually a tool to make you rich. And first off, I think people struggle with understanding that there's this notion that you have to come from money to be able to make money in real estate. It's just not true. I mean, you guys have heard my story. If you haven't, you can go back on previous podcasts and listen. You can go to my YouTube channel and listen to my entire story. I break it down there. I think it's like an hour long. I tell it all. I quick snippet came from uh, a family, great family, both parents in the house. My dad was a pastor. Uh, so we just didn't have any money. Like we never had a lot of money. Uh, nobody was investing in real estate, didn't grow up in it, went to college, came out of school with over $60,000 in student loans, and then um, was making $45,000 a year at my first job. Okay. So at no point in my life was I groomed to do what I'm doing now in the real estate space. Um, but I was able to take this middle-class mindset, these, these middle-class beliefs and incomes and turn it into now being a multimillionaire with cash flows that cover our expenses with, with all these assets that are appreciating in value. And um, it, it's been an amazing journey and it is attainable for all of you listening to this podcast. That, that's my message. If any, if any message I'm trying to get across is the everyday person, number one, can grow life-changing wealth through real estate. And number two, you can do it without having to sacrifice your life. Like I've worked a W-2 job this entire time, raised a family, got four kids that are literally screaming on this wall behind me because they're home for summer. And I've been able to do all of this uh, without you know neglecting time with them. I'm at all their games. I'm their coaches. I'm at all the practices. Um, but it's all because of decisions I made to buy real estate. But I want to dig into what is it about real estate that leads to this unbelievable wealth? Because listen, when you buy real estate, you have no other option but to get wealthy. It's just going to happen. If you buy and hold real estate, you really have no other option but to get wealthy. But there are six key pillars that when combined, as I stated, are the most powerful financial concoction known to man. And these six pillars go like this. You got leverage, forced appreciation, appreciation, cash flow, tenant buy-down, and tax benefits. Okay? Leverage, forced appreciation, appreciation, cash flow, tenant buy-down, and tax benefits. And I'm going to talk through all of these, but when you hear people say real estate is the most powerful asset in the world. You got to buy real estate. This is what they're referring to. Okay. When I, when I think of real estate now in my journey, real estate is just a tool. Okay. Real estate is a tool 
that provides these six benefits and these six pillars or benefits lead me to my ultimate destination, which is freedom. But without these six pillars being involved in real estate, it wouldn't be powerful enough to have gotten me to where I am. But because these things are included, like you get them in a package deal. When you buy this property on the street, when you buy your little single family home, brick ranch house is three bed, one bath. Yeah. You're getting an actual asset that sits there, but it's producing and giving you access to these six pillars that you wouldn't get otherwise. So let's talk about the first uh, pillar, which is leverage. When you buy real estate, you are able to leverage the property, which just means you can use somebody else's money to buy real estate. Sometimes you can use 100% of people's money. Sometimes you may use 97% of people's money, 95% of somebody else's money, 90% for the, to purchase a property of somebody else's money. Sometimes you're going to have to put 20% as a down payment and you can leverage the remaining 80%. But the whole point, whether we're putting zero of our own dollars into a deal or 20%, which is standard, we only have to put a small portion of capital to then control this very expensive asset. Could you go, as an example, to the stock market and say, I would like to buy $200,000 worth of Apple shares, but I'm only going to give you $20,000 for it. And I want to leverage the bank. Could you go to a bank and say, Hey, I want to buy $200,000 worth of Apple stocks. Here's $20,000 for a down payment. Will you guys give me the rest? A bank is going to laugh in your face. It just doesn't happen. You want to own $200,000 worth of Apple stock. You're going to have to come up with $200,000. But if you want to buy a $200,000 property, Normally, at worst, you're only going to have to come up with $40,000, okay? Now, $40,000 is no chump change, and there's tons of different ways to get into this without having to use your own money. If you say, I don't have $40,000, it's A-okay. The majority of the properties I've bought have been without me having to put any of my own money in. But just as an example, you could put $40,000 down as a down payment and then leverage the remaining $160,000. Somebody will loan it to you with a relatively low interest rate with fixed terms, okay? And at the time of this recording, we're in the high interest rate market where you can go get rental properties at 6.5% interest. There, there was a time where people would have laughed at you if you would have said that's high, but we just came out of this unicorn era where we were able to get real estate lent to us at 3%, which isn't normal. So we're able to get these fixed rate loans. We know what our interest is going to be, and we only have to put a little bit of money in the deal to be able to acquire these assets. What this does, okay, is number one, it allows you to control a very expensive asset with just a little bit of your own money, but then it increases, has the opportunity to increase our cash on cash returns because now we're just having to put a little bit in, but now we control this huge asset, okay? Now, that's just one portion, and I'll tie it all in here at the end, but we've got leverage, we can put a little bit of money in, control this big asset. Then once we buy this asset, let's say we buy a distressed property. It's ugly, but it's on a decent street in a decent neighborhood. We can then go and do what's called forced appreciation. So we can buy this asset, go in, rehab a property, make the bathrooms look nice, make the kitchens look nice, put down the faux hardwood flooring on the ground, 
paint the walls, repair any plumbing issues and any roof issues, uh, electrical issues, make the house in good quality living condition, make it look pretty. And now it's worth way more than when you just bought it. That's called forced appreciation. Going back to the stock analogy, can you buy a company on the stock exchange and then say, oh, I want to make it more valuable myself? Heck no. But what you can do when you're buying property is you can hop on a free app like Zillow, see what properties are worth in that area once they're fixed up based on what's just sold. Then you can go buy one that's undervalued and needs some love at a huge discount, buy it using somebody else's money, then go in and rehab it using somebody else's money. And then now, boom, it's worth ridiculous amounts more because you made it look pretty. So for example, let's say that in a neighborhood, properties that are fixed up were $200,000. You get a property under contract in that area for $100,000. Okay, this is just an example. This property's distressed. The, the average buyer doesn't want to buy it because they're scared of it because it looks ugly. But you as an investor say, don't be scared of this. This is opportunity. So you go buy it for $100,000. Then you have to go put $40,000 worth of rehab money into this property. So you've bought it for $100,000. You're all in at rehab at $140,000. And what we say that we know it's going to be worth after we fixed it up based on comparable homes that have sold in the neighborhood? $200,000. So we're all in at $140,000. Now it's worth $200,000. What just happened to our wealth? it grew by $60,000. You take $200,000, which the property is worth, then you subtract how much you've got in the deal, which is $140,000, and that leaves a $60,000 worth of equity. You've just made yourself in a few months or a few weeks, depending on how quick you do the rehab, $60,000 richer off of one key pillar, which is forced depreciation. And if we take a step back and look at the first pillar, if we do it right, we had to put a very small amount, if any, of our own money to create this $60,000 worth of wealth instantly. Then we look at the next pillar, which is just traditional appreciation. So we've made this home worth $60,000 more with rehab, but now we're going to hold it. We're going to put it in what we call our portfolio. And we're going to hold that property over time. Based on historical data, what does real estate do over time, guys? It goes up. There are some years where it plateaus, there's some years where it may go down, but if we look at the graph, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see me drawing it with my hand. The graph goes up. Real estate goes up in value over time. So you are buying a, an asset that is going to give you appreciation. Okay, so we bought it with a little of our own money. We've already appreciated immediately through forced appreciation, and now we know over time if we hold it, it's going to continue going up in value right? Which is only going to grow our wealth more. But check this, while it's going up in value, it's appreciating. Guess what's happening to our mortgage that we leverage through the bank? It's getting paid down by tenants. And so they are paying off our mortgage every month, which makes the amount we owe less. So we started by buying this property and we had $60,000 in equity through forced appreciation. But five years later, that property that was worth 200,000 is now worth 200 and call it 75,000, 250,000. Throw whatever number you want out, we'll just say 250,000. Okay, we have, at the start, we had a $140,000 mortgage, if you guys remember. But now 
we've dropped that down because tenants have been paying off that debt. Well, now we only owe $120,000. So the property's now worth 250 grand because appreciation's done its thing over five years. Tenants have paid down the debt, so we only owe 120. So now what is our new equity in this home? $130,000. So we started with $60,000 in equity through forced appreciation, but now we just let time and compound interest do its thing while appreciation is going up, tenants are paying off the debt, and now this one property has made us $130,000 richer in five years. That is powerful. That is powerful. And then all the time, while we're just letting time do its thing, while appreciation's doing its thing and tenants are paying down our debt, we're getting this thing called cash flow every month. And what cash flow is, is when we take our rents and we subtract all of our expenses and whatever is left over goes in our pocket. Okay. It's not just rent minus mortgage. Let's get that myth knocked out of here. It's rent minus all your expenses. So rent, and then you subtract your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance, your vacancy rates, your maintenance rates, um, everything. Once you've paid for everything, accounted for everything, all that's left over is your cash flow. And so let's say this property's paid you 300 bucks a month in cash flow. And we've had it for five years. Okay, 300 bucks times 12, it's paying you 3,600 a year in cash flow. And then we said we've owned this property for five years. It's paid you $18,000 in cash in five years. And guys and gals, that's without me factoring any rent increases whatsoever. But do you want to know how many years in a row that rents have gone up? I believe it's over 100 straight years in a row rents have increased in the U.S., there is a 95% occupancy rate in the U.S. So you have a 95% chance of getting your property rented out. And then based on 100-year data, you have a 100% chance of your rents going up in value, you being able to raise rents every year. So what started as $300 a month in rent in year one is $325 a month in year two. And then year three, it's $350. Then year four or year three, it's 375. Year four, it's $400 a month in rent. Year five, you're at $425 a month in rent. All while your property's been going up in value, now it's worth 250. All while tenants have been paying down your debt and you only owe $120. And you're getting all this cash flow that started at 300 and now you're getting over $400 a month off of just one property. And then imagine, imagine increasing the number of properties you have. If we can get something this powerful, if we can experience so much wealth in a five-year example off of one property, imagine what happens when you have five properties. Imagine what happens when you have 10. Imagine what happens when you have 15, 20, 25, 30. And you may think, well, that seems too far-fetched. It does right now, but how do we eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We take that first step. We buy that first property. Then we buy the next property, then the next property, and we get our systems in place and we understand what our buy box is and how to find them and how to fund them with as little of our own money as possible. The next thing you know, you've scaled. You've done what we call in the real estate world, scaling. And that's what happened to my wife and I. We started with two properties in 2018. By the end, or no, by, by spring, excuse me, of 2021, so April of 2021, we had 22 properties. Started in 2018, by the end or by the beginning of spring 2021, we had 22 properties. And that is what happens 
when you factor in these pillars, you add more properties over time, and then you just let time do its thing. And all the while, I know I've only talked about five pillars, all the while, this last pillar, which is tax benefits, you are getting to experience every year. You can depreciate properties. Although the properties are going up in value for tax purposes, you can depreciate the value of the property and pay less in taxes. You can do write-offs. You can do what is called 1031 exchanges where you could sell a property and take that profit and buy another property and defer taxes. You can pull lines of credit off of existing properties with the equity you have in them and access the equity tax-free. You can do what's called cash out refinances and pull the equity out of properties tax-free. And so you have all of these benefits that are coming into place. You, you're buying properties with hardly any of your own money compared to the amount of the value of the home. You can make it worth tons more immediately through forced appreciation. If you hold it for a while, you're going to get traditional appreciation. All while tenants are buying down your debt. While all that's going on, you're getting cash flow in your pockets. And every year, you're capitalizing on tax benefits. And that, folks, is why I believe that buying rental properties in real estate, when you factor in the six pillars, is the most powerful concoction known to man. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you haven't started experiencing these benefits yet, you haven't bought that first property, or maybe you've bought one or two, but you've kind of stalled out. You haven't scaled. Dig deep. Go for it. These pillars aren't going anywhere. They are waiting on you. They're waiting on you to say, I'm going to take the plunge into real estate. I am going to overcome the fear, the roadblocks that are holding me back. I'm not going to be the status quo anymore. I'm not going to listen to all the middle-class mindsets in my corner who don't know anything about real estate, but want to throw up these caution signs to us when we go to buy it because they're not comfortable with it or they're jealous because they're not buying it and they don't know how. We have to overcome these things and we have to get to the point. You hear me say this all the time where we feel as though it is, few, it is riskier for our future to not invest in real estate than it is to invest in real estate. And friend, listen to me. If you will adopt that mindset and you will make the decision that I am going to do this, I'm done sitting on the sidelines. I'm done saying, well, when I get this done, I'm done saying, well, maybe one day, and you just say, I'm going to do it. This is the date I'm buying my first rental property by. I've written it down on paper. Now let me put a plan together and you go execute that plan. It will be the best decision you have ever made. If you guys could look at a video recording of my life from 2018 to today at the time of this podcast in 2023 and see the transformation and the, the things that real estate have afforded myself and my family, I think you would, you would go try to buy your first property today. I can't stress enough what is waiting on the other side of you saying yes and adopting real estate into your life and, and using this tool to access these six pillars, which are ultimately going to lead you to freedom. Because that's that's the end goal. Whatever, however you want to word it, you know, be at your kids' sporting events, leave a legacy, 
pay for their co- pay for kids college, do what you want every day, whatever it is, it all points back to freedom. And the only way that you get freedom is through investing in assets. Unless you got a big inheritance coming. You got a big inheritance coming, go do your own thing. But for the the normal ones of us, we don't. And if you're just holding on to capital, to cash, that's not going to do anything for you. It's not. It tends to go down in value, especially in times like these. You have to take your cash Okay, you have to take somebody else's cash. However, we have to do it. We have to go acquire these assets, put them in our name and our LLC names that we own so that we can build portfolios that are going to change our life because that's the only way it's going to happen. These six pillars are waiting to turn your life around. They're waiting to give you the life of your dream, your life by your own design. You have to commit. You have to say, I'm ready. And you have to go all in. And if you do, It will be the best decision you've ever made. And you'll look at yourself like I do and say, why didn't I start sooner? Or why didn't I buy more properties? But ultimately, you'll be glad that you finally made the decision and you'll live a life like most of those around you never get to experience.